Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your hosts, Nat Strawn and Allie. Before we get into today's episode, I just need to insert a quick disclaimer here for anyone listening who might be new to the show. Each month, Nat and I switch off telling each other spooky stories from around the world. This week, it's my turn, and even though you, the listener, can see what the topic of today's show is by reading the title, Nat cannot. She is going into this story completely blind because it's just more fun to listen to a story that you don't already know the ending to. But before we get into today's story, Nat and I have some catching up to do. So if you don't want to listen to us chat with each other, shout out our donors, do some housekeeping, or thank our sponsors, and instead you'd like to skip straight to the story in today's title, all you have to do is expand the show notes and the first sentence of the description in all caps will say SKIP TO and then a timestamp. You can skip to that time at any time. Otherwise, if you're still here listening, welcome to today's intro. Hey guys, welcome to August. It is the first episode of August. Yeah, wait, I, I'm wondering, I'm looking at Allie on the screen and she's very done up. She's got like a, a, a very pretty red outfit and looks like you're wearing some makeup. Like, is something significant happening? Because usually when I see you, you know what? I'm not going to describe what you look like because it might be offensive to you. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and ask, is something interesting happening to you right now today? First of all, thank you for noticing. But yes, I am really excited. I'm going to go see the Barbie movie tonight. Okay. I was just about to say, like, you're looking like Barbie core right now. So oh, nailed thank it. You. Thank you. Did you see that meme that people were tagging us in that says Barba Yaga and it's the Barbie dream playhouse with Baba Yaga's legs beneath it, the chicken legs. Oh no, that's awesome. You know, Barbie core and cottage core are not too far from each other. And I think we're going to see a lot more pastel goths coming into uh, the scene because people are really into the Barbie movie, myself included. And I even, you might not even be able to see this. I even have little butterfly clips in my hair from the 90s. Oh, cute. Yeah, I have not gone full early 2000s to the point where I have like flared jeans. I feel like that was a dark time in history that (laughs) many of us would like to forget. And so I have not gotten on board that retro trend yet. But the butterfly clips, I, I can definitely vibe with. What you're describing is the Y2K trend. And that I have to say, I... I'm one of those tacky people who fucking lives for it. I have like uh, a belt buckle that says Gemini in it in like rhinestones. I just love the Y2K era because to me it's so, it was so feminist. Like it was so like, yeah, we're just going to be like slutty because we can, you know? <laughs> I say like us people with long torsos like myself, that like that high-waisted shit hurts my vagina. I don't know what everyone else was talking about. Like, I had some high-waisted shorts, and literally at the end of the day, my crotch would be numb because of how tight it was on my crotch. Is that normal? No, but sadly, I do know what you're talking about because if I if I wear uh, skip ahead, if conversations about weight are a trigger for you, this it's very mild. I promise it'll be quick. My weight fluctuates wildly. Sometimes I will just be having nonstop diarrhea because of my health problems and I'll like drop 10 pounds real quick. And then and then I don't have my crotch eating my pants. Okay, maybe it was like a ass problem then skip ahead oh, if you're 100%. jealous of my butt because yeah. 
uh, then maybe that's what it was. I, I, I don't if know. If your trigger is Natalia's <laughs> butt, skip ahead 45 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but the high to me, high-waisted were harder to fit. And that just, you know, that I think it's just a more difficult um, measurement to take because, like, whoever's making the pant has to have the perfect waist-to-hip ratio where if you just have low waisted jeans it's just one measurement it's like on your oh, waist. Oh I feel that. Okay I was watching recently a TikTok that somebody did on fashion theory. Fuck I'm not gonna be able to explain it right. If I find the TikTok I'll insert it here. Okay, but you better pull it together because I don't know what the fuck you were about to say but I was so interested. It was, no it's so cool. It's about hold on hold on. Okay I can't find it right now but here I'll explain it to you. I will explain it the best I can. She was saying that when she studied fashion theory in school that there is this idea that all trends eventually come back but you will have something called like the early adopters which are people that start wearing things before anyone else and so yeah they look kind of out of place but then eventually like the middle people catch up and they start wearing it too and then by the time the late adopters catch on and start wearing that stuff the early adopters are already on a different wave right? Oh, right and so but now these cycles are happening so quickly with social media that it's almost impossible to tell if you are at the forefront of a trend or at oh. the end of a trend because it's just like happening so quickly anyway she explained it way better but no that makes her sense point, yeah her point was like the end result is going to be awesome because it means nobody is going to be out of fashion because right. if you see somebody wearing like you know, a 70s bell bottom, you're like, oh, wow, like this might be a new trend versus if you see someone wearing Y2K, like low rise jean, um, whale tail thong up the your back, like yeah. you're, that doesn't mean that they're behind the trend either. Right. right? Like it's just like the circle is going so fast that now you can't tell. Anyway, I thought that was super cool because basically we're all going to be able to wear whatever we want whenever we want and not have it turn into either a fashion statement or a fashion faux pas. It's just going to be everyone's going to have their own identity and style and are going to be able to coexist without like shitting on each other. Because the one downfall of the early 2000s fashion that I can recall is that there was definitely like, oh, you're you're wearing Aeropostal instead of Abercrombie. Like, what oh, are yeah. you, poor? You know what I mean? And so- Yeah, now actually I am. But when you're a teen, you don't want to hear that from people. Right. You just want to fit in. So the end result is going to be really positive because right. now it doesn't matter what you're wearing. You're still cool. Right. I'm sorry. I, you know, during the early 2000s, I was a preteen. I was wearing whatever brand made padded swimsuit tops, padded whatever <laughs> the fuck. Anything that made it look like I had boobs, I was going to wear that because I did not. Like, I don't know what the equivalent of that would be if you don't have breasts. Like, you want to show off. I don't Your know, balls. something else. <laughs> don't yeah, know. yeah. I, I guess know. you have said in the past that the balls are the breast of the penis. Yeah. So <laughs> I did say that. That is true. If you'd like that on a bumper sticker, please reach out to us at <laughs> Let's Get Haunted. We don't have them printed, but we could. Mm. We could do anything that enough people ask us to do, to be honest, because we are people pleasers. Yeah, yeah. This has been a very long uh, roundabout way of saying that's why I look like I'm not um, a mud person from the mm. swamps of the river bottom 
Uh, instead, I look a little more put together because I'm going to see the Barbie movie and I'm really fucking excited about Yay. it. Um, I'm I'm excited yeah. to eventually see that, too. I want to see like all the, the blockbusters at some point, like the Oppenheimer or whatever Barbie yeah. uh, Mission Impossible or not. If I'm not supposed to, if I missed the news because I haven't been on social media and we canceled all those people and this is fucked up and I'm a scab now, then no, I don't want to see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just you you choose what I should feel, guys. Whatever is going to make you like me more, choose it and pretend I said that. <laughs> Perfect example. We are people pleasers. We are chameleons. Tell us what to be and we will be that. Just don't stop listening to our show. Um, I don't think either of those movies have been canceled. I know that there have been a lot of memes about Barbenheimer because right. both of those movies debut on the same day or debuted yeah. on the same day. And so some movie theaters are doing like... You can buy a ticket to both, but mm-hmm. it's like one ticket. It's cheaper. Oh, than, it's a, and yeah, and they'll show them back a to dual, back. A dual ticket. Love that. Yeah. Like you watch the Barbie movie, then there's an intermission, and then you watch Oppenheimer. And oh. I think that concept is, is kind of cool, too. I like that concept a lot, too. I mean, back when we used to do that, we would just stay in the movie theater and sneak into the next one. So at least they're trying to make money off of it now. And OK, so since you're not on social media, maybe you wouldn't have seen this either. But I'm going to show you Zeke Gons 89, who we I adore. love Zeke. The I'm best memes. <laughs> That's so good. Yes. OK, so it's a meme that is a photo and half of the photo is Barbie like in the pink cowgirl outfit and the other half is uh like Killian Murphy's character from Oppenheimer like uh with a fedora on and they he's like put them together so that it's one person and then on the left on the Barbie side it says intro and on the right on the Oppenheimer side it says main story and it's so good oh this is making me like sad that I didn't see this because it's so great it's amazing I might also by the time this airs yeah maybe it'll be posted Yeah, yeah yeah Actually, you know what? Maybe I'll post the Barba Yaga and the and this meme that Zeke Guns made um, to the to the grid because those are both very good, relevant. very topical, relevant yes. Um, yes. memes. And then the only other thing that I have written down for today for personal hauntings um, is that I just downloaded The Sims 4 Horses yes. Expansion Pack. I saw that on Patreon. But I haven't played it yet. Um, I just saw I got an email. Uh, sent to my email account that like is signed up for the sims and newsletter and it said like sims 4 uh horse expansion pack now available for download and i literally stopped everything i was doing at work and i just took got out my laptop and i started downloading it because i didn't know how long it was going to take and so hopefully um, there will be some Sims 4 horse expansion pack content coming to I'm the Patreon. I'm so excited to see what your choices as a virtual horse girl will be. Because, like, first of all, I don't know anything about the Sims horse ranch expansion pack. Just based off of what I've seen, it might not even be my same discipline. Like, it might be, like, Western, which is a totally different ball game than what I ride. Oh, that's but that's interesting. Yeah, but it's still horses. I just know a lot less about it than I do about like the English discipline. Um so but Wait, I was can thinking- you tell me about the differences? Is that um, is is that annoying to you? It that's like explaining the nuances between like, I don't know, Democrats and Republicans. But here, here is I don't even this is gonna be so controversial if I answer that question. That's what just I'm talking do it. about. Do a TLDR. <gasps> you know what? Okay. Remove yourself from the equation. Just be like some people say Yeah. This. Okay. S- some people say that Western writing 
requires a western saddle that has a horn on it and Ooh. the western games are more focused on ranch-like activities so you've got barrel racing which oh. is like the horse uh sprints around those three barrels and then you've got team roping and roping where you like rope calves calves and stuff you got the bucking broncos all of that and it's very like based on this idea of like what you might encounter on a western ranch like you might have to run around really fast and herd shit like cattle drive right like you might you know i don't know yeah that Um, makes sense yes and the culture is changing but it used to be that like no helmets you would just wear a cowboy hat like your jeans or your nice outfit and then boots the culture is seeming to change now we see some people wearing helmets but there's like still a lot of old schoolers who don't wear helmets and they even make helmets now that look like cowboy hats now english riding is based more on uh fox hunting which comes from england where there would be like a bunch of people chasing uh, a, a fox to its death with a bunch of dogs and you would have to jump like across pasture to pasture over uh, like the fences that separate like someone's pasture from like another pasture. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. know what you're talking about. So the saddles are not quite as comfy. They're like a little bit smaller and the style of riding is uh, more reminiscent of all the things you would encounter in the hunt. So like jumping over fences and um, like these like like long lean like dressage type classes uh, where you're like prancing around. Actually, I don't know what that has to do with anything. I, I don't know what dressage no. is. I still don't understand no, it. No, that I actually, I mean, <laughs> unless you were lying to me, that exp- explanation you gave is super interesting actually and makes a lot of sense to me and now i understand so western writing refers to um like cowboy-esque maybe like vaquero yeah. um stuff and then english writing refers to like you know the duke of elderberry <laughs> is about it release the hounds and then now right. i'm gonna catch the fox and both of those are pretty fucking cool Right. They're both amazing. I would love to be a Western girly. I'm very intimidated by it, though, because I think, like, as a whole, they, like, have better horsemanship than English riders. Um, And it just is, like, intimidating to me. Like, they seem, like, more like they know what they're doing, you know? I mean, I would love to learn more about this actually and I know we have a lot about I'm like now I'm thinking because I'm like oh I'm about to be a horse girl with the sims um yes with my virtual horse I'm exactly like you now no I'm kidding what what okay so like what color horse would you prefer and like what would you name your horse and do you want a boy or do you want a girl uh, when I was little, I remember thinking Palomino horses. Is that oh. real? Yeah. No, like, that's the rite of passage. If you were not um, a little girl who liked Palominos, you probably grew into a serial killer. That's the only <laughs> choice as a little girl. It's a Palomino, usually named Daisy. Um, yes. Are you serious? Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. How? Yeah. Okay. I don't know yes, why. It was I always like because... Buttercup, yeah. Daisy, um, Daffodil. Yeah, it was always like a floral name and a Palomino right. horse. Yeah. I don't know why that is. I think it's because it's like Barbie. Like Barbie used horse oh, yeah. was usually a horse like that. I used to play Barbie Riding Club on, on – it was like a PC game where you were pretend riding a horse – um and my horse was a palomino named daisy so wow incredible incredible yeah, so 
really excited for your adventure and and congratulations and welcome and yeah. um we're so excited to have you and I can't wait until you get on your first horse like for real well, I'm most excited uh, for the expansion pack because of the integration of goats into The Sims 4. Oh. This is like a very big dream of mine. I've always wanted to own a goat. When I graduated from college, uh, well, no, let me back up. When I first got into college, my grandpa said to me, when you graduate from college, I will buy you any farm animal you want oh. within reason, you know, like a, a sheep or, or a chicken or something. Right. And he's like, you can keep it at my house because he lives in an or he's since deceased, but he lived on a like unincorporated tract of land, basically. Yeah. So you're allowed to have chickens and shit there. And so I was super pumped. I had this in my mind the whole time I was in college. I never once forgot about this. And then when I graduated college, I was like, hey, everyone, like, Grandpa, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but this, like, really meant a lot to me. It was, like, not a throwaway promise. And I know exactly what I want. I want a goat. And I bought a book. I bought – actually, I bought, like, three books mm-hmm. about how to take care of goats. And I was so fucking ready for my new life as a goat owner. And yeah. then my grandpa, uh, unfortunately <laughs> – like had dementia and then oh, I was like hey remember when you said you're gonna get me a goat and he's like what like oh oh, no. oh yeah yeah I get you go then uh, my dad was like you're not gonna remind him about the goat like don't press him on this because it's not gonna be him paying for the goat it's gonna be me <laughs> paying for the goat and I am not paying for you to have a goat <laughs> and I was like all right I guess I won't get a goat I think you should get a goat now because they're not that expensive. And so I feel like you should just have it. Like, I would and name dream. it. Uh, what was the name of that goat that was like really haunted? Black Phillip? I was literally <laughs> just talking about Black Phillip this morning. I shit you not. Anytime My- <laughs> I see a, a black goat, I always take a picture of it and like send it to someone and I'm like, Black Phillip? And then, yeah. and Dost then if- thou wish to live deliciously? <laughs> Yes, I was literally talking about Black Phillip this morning. I woke up, was getting ready for work. My boyfriend came in holding my dog, Winnie, who is black and white and like chubby and kind of Mm -hmm. looks like a goat, in my opinion, and uh, like a mini goat. And he was like holding her up and he was like, say bye to Winnie or whatever. And I was like, dost thou wish to live deliciously, Winnie? And my boyfriend was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, have you never seen? It's called The Witch, right? With Anya yeah. Taylor-Joy. And and, and I, yeah. I was like, you know, Black Phillip. Like, he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, all right, oh. this is taking up too much time. I need to go to work. That's such a great movie. See, that's my kind of scary movie that I can watch. Because it's not oh, it's jump amazing. scares. Yeah. It's like there's a narrative. It's a good story. It's just kind of creepy. But there's like it, I, I'll be okay. Like I can watch right. it and be all right afterwards. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> like a clear line between um, horror movies that actually are good and horror movies that are just being made to either right. gross you out or just jump scare the shit out of you at the expense of the plot. Like the plot makes no sense. I, I haven't seen a scary movie in a long time, and I think that's why, I, like, I've been at peace for a little bit. But actually, <laughs> um, after listening to your Red Lamp episode, I, like, have been thinking about red that Red Lamp for a really long time. I don't know why. Okay. So, I don't know if you have looked at the photo dump for the Red yeah. Lamp and gone through the comments, but so many people have seen the Red Lamp. Yeah. So many people. Someone was like, like my grandma saw it 60 years ago, like, and then 
Parr, who is an amazing person that we interviewed for the Afghan folklore episode, she commented and was like, because she's a medium, like Mm -hmm. she has visions and stuff. She was like, I've seen this before. Mm. And I so I was like, when you if you figure out what it is, maybe if you were born in a hospital, it's like your first memories. Oh, or like has something to do with like when you were first pulled from the spirit realm into our dimension or something. Wow. It could be. I'm sure. And then somebody linked in the subreddit a really spooky story about a red lamp um, that was like a glitch in the Matrix story. And maybe maybe we'll record it for Halloween or something. Maybe we'll do like spooky stories for Patreon for Halloween because it would take too long to read. But it was it fucked me up and it was about a red lamp. Yeah, you maybe you're right. Or maybe like. Um, you know, like preemies have to be like in warm environments yeah. or something. So they'll have like heating lamps. Maybe it's a yeah. heating lamp from that. Yeah. I think you're on to oh. something. Like, is it a, is it a proof that we're in a, um, simulation or something? And that that's like us like coming conscious every once in a while and seeing that like surgical light on us, you know, like we're yeah just like plugged into the matrix. That would honestly be, be cool. Like, I don't think I would be upset about that. I would be no. like, all right. Just plug me back in, like fix the bugs. You know, give me an expansion pack like the right. Sims Four. Exactly. Right, I give me a. a Why'd you a make me fucking update? average? Like, yeah, can you? Yeah. Can I not be like a celebrity, like horseback champion or something? <gasps> Come Why? On. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I know, and apparently there's like an alien hearing coming up with three whistleblowers that are going to talk about UAPs in front of the government. Somebody oh. linked me that um, a couple days ago. So maybe by the time this comes out, it will have already happened. Maybe not. Uh, but yeah, that's that's all I wanted to talk about today. Natalia, do you have any personal hauntings before we get into this week's story? No, I don't. Let's hit it. Really quickly, uh, we forgot to shout this out the last couple episodes. We have a Patreon exclusive poster available for Tier 1 and Tier oh, yeah. 2. And Nat had it beautifully designed by an artist. It, it's yeah, it's very an artist. Lovely. It's not AI, which... Um, I feel like it is good. Who's to say that the artist I paid didn't just plug it into AI and make AI? I don't know. But yeah. I gave money to an artist to make this. Um, and I believe, based off of the evidence, uh, <laughs> that it was <laughs> that it was hand-drawn uh, just because of all of the sketches that they sent before the final was finished. But that yes. could have also been AI. I don't know. The whole person could have been an AI. We could literally be AI right now in a fucking simulation. I'm just trying to 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 be a pathological people pleaser. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So if you're interested in exclusive merch available on Patreon first and sometimes only to Patreon, then you can go ahead and go to patreon.com forward slash let's get haunted. Sign up for either tier one or tier two. And that is available to you. It is the pinned Uh, post at the top of our Patreon when you first log in, so there should be no confusion. I know that Patreon has a bit of a learning curve, but it should be the top post available to you right now. Now, without further ado, Natalia, are you ready to get into this week's haunting? Let's hit it. Have you ever heard of something called the block universe theory? Does this have to do with math? Um, maybe. (laughs) <laughs> I don't I feel like most science has to do with math, but I'm not smart enough to know which math. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to say maybe. OK. Is it block like B-L-O-C-K or B-L-O-C-H? No, B-L-O-C-K universe theory. Um, No, 
Well, I had never heard of it prior to researching the story that I'm about to tell you. So I will go ahead and explain what Block Universe is. In an article for ideapod.com, author Janif Navilan explains the concept of a block universe in her article entitled The Block Universe Theory. Quote, here's an interesting thought. What if you were told that everything in your life has already been planned out? Even stranger, what if your past, present, and future are all happening right now at this very moment? An astonishing new theory known as the Block Universe Theory claims that time does not actually flow like a river, but rather everything is ever-present. Massachusetts Institute of Technology Professor of Philosophy, Dr. Bradford Scoe, suggests that if we were to look down on the universe as if we were looking on a piece of paper, we would see time spread out in all directions, exactly the same way we see space at any given moment. Are we only experiencing time as intrinsically linear because it's what our human brains are capable of comprehending? Let's get a little more in depth in this fascinating new theory about what it could possibly mean to our existence. Dr. Scow is not the first scientist to challenge the way we perceive time. In 1915, Einstein introduced a theory of a unified space and time in his general theory of relativity. He proposes that space-time takes form in a manifold or continuum, and that if viewed, you'll see both as a four-dimensional vector space. And this vector is known as the block theory. Einstein's theory is considered to be the closest to the true answer of what the universe means on a cosmological sense. So it is not unreasonable to think of a block universe as actually existing. Dr. Scoe fully supports this theory. Instead of thinking that time and events sail past us and then completely vanishes, perhaps we should think that they still exist and are existing simultaneously in different parts of space-time. It's just that we can't access anything outside of the block that we are currently living in. Once you try to wrap your head around this theory, you'll begin to realize that it could also change the way we think of time travel. If this theory is real, then we can't simply travel time and change it. If everything is happening simultaneously, your past, present, future laid out in space, then it would be impossible to create a paradox. You wouldn't be making any catastrophic changes. Instead, you will only travel through time and experience it as it is and as it always would be. Natalia, that is very confusing philosophical science. Yeah, I'm angry. (laughs) Go ahead and tell me what your reaction is. I'm fucking angry about that because that person does not know what they're talking about, first of all. Like, they they just are just saying a bunch of words all at once, and but they're saying it with, like, such a conviction that you, and then calling it science so you feel stupid for asking questions because you just have to be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, but really it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Well, while the idea of the past, present, and future happening simultaneously may seem like the stuff of science fiction, Today's story, which we will be splitting into two parts, may just give some credence to Dr. Sko's hypothesis. Part 1. Meadow Cottage In the small town of Doddleston, England, there stands a modest brickstone cottage. 
aptly named Meadow Cottage for its picturesque views of Cheshire County's sprawling green pasture lands and farms. This unassuming home would become the site of a confounding haunting, beginning in either 1984 or 85, depending on which source you believe. The paranormal activity associated with this haunting would eventually bring in researchers from multiple disciplines around the country, hoping to either prove or disprove what the lodgers within Meadow Cottage had reported. It all began when a high school economics teacher named Ken Webster purchased Meadow Cottage in 1984. The cottage, having originally been built in the 18th century, was in need of many repairs, and Ken had spent much of the summer of 1984 carrying out renovations on his own to save money. By late autumn of 1984, he was beginning to make real progress and finally had functioning plumbing Due to these luxuries finally being put into place, Ken and his girlfriend Debbie were living in the house together full-time, along with one of Ken's longtime friends, Nicola Baguli. Nicola, who went by the nickname Nick, had worked out a deal with Ken. She had just returned from teaching English and traveling in East Africa and was flat broke after the experience. Ken offered to allow her to live at Meadow Cottage for free in exchange for help with painting and decorating the section of the home that was done with construction. In his book, The Vertical Plane, Ken writes that the trouble at Meadow Cottage all began that fall when six toed footprints began appearing on the wall between the bathroom and the kitchen. At first, the trio thought it must be a harmless prank from the previous owners uncovered during construction, though none of them had noticed the prints until around September of that year. The footprints seemed to be emerging from behind the electric heater before traveling up the side of the wall diagonally towards the ceiling. It was strange and interesting, but no real cause for alarm at this point. Ken remembers thinking nothing of it as he painted over the six-toed footprints with a fresh coat of paint. After satisfactorily covering them up, no trace of the strange prints were visible, and Ken put down his paintbrush to go to bed. The next morning, he went downstairs to the kitchen. While passing by the wall, he suddenly paused, neck snapping toward where he had just painted the night before. He rubbed his eyes. He could not believe it. The footprints were back. Writing of this experience, Ken noted, quote, They were not exactly in their former position, so it was not possible that they were the old ones coming through. They were new, six-toed, composed once more of dust from the floor. I mm. called the girls down. Nick and Deb came down. They were more than just puzzled. And Nick was, I'm certain, quite horrified. I thought she was just about ready to pack up her belongings and go. Searching for a logical explanation, Nick, Deb, and Kin all decided that one of them must have been sleepwalking and had somehow made the prints without realizing it. They painted over the strange footprints once again. But does one of them have six toes? No. But they're searching for any logical explanation to what's happening. Their first thought isn't something paranormal. They're thinking like, wow, this looks really weird. 
Um, but maybe one of us sleepwalks and somehow was like, we were putting our hands on the wall or something and it, mm. and it just looks like a six-toed footprint going up, up the side of the wall. It like looks like a six-foot, a six-toed human footprint, like it's human foot size, just with an extra toe. Yes, and I actually didn't write this down, but in his book, he says that it looked like it was about a size five, so a very small, like human footprint that has oh. six toes. Okay. A few days after the incident with the footprints, Ken made a run into town to buy groceries. The nearest grocery store was a town over so he returned with a large amount of provisions to last them through the end of the month, including cans of cat food. Since the kitchen cabinets weren't finished yet, he left most of the groceries sprawled out on the ground haphazardly and went to bed, exhausted from the day's work on the house. When he awoke the next morning and made his way downstairs, he was shocked to find all of the groceries had been neatly organized. Bizarrely, all the tins of cat food had been stacked into a pyramid in a corner of the room on the floor. When Debbie and Nick woke up later that morning, he showed them the pyramid and showed them the groceries that had been put away, asking if either of them had organized them in this way, but both women said that they had not. Confused, but still thinking it must have been part of another prank, Ken began to wonder if the culprit behind the weird footprints and the weird cat food pyramid could be John, a local man he let record music in one of the back rooms of the cottage. John came over from time to time to play guitar and to hit on Ken's girlfriend, Debbie. Could John be trying to scare them? Wait, he just like wrote that in there? That, yeah, like, in he his also book. It's kind of funny. Yeah. He's like, look, in my early, basically, Ken is in his, like, we don't actually know what age he was, I don't think, I don't think he ever says, but he's basically in his early to mid-20s, mm -hmm. and he's an econ very professor at a high school. Yes, very haunted time in, in anyone's life, mm -hmm. and he is, it's the 80s, and he has, like, some friends that are musicians, he has some friends that are kind of traveling the world, doing whatever, some of his friends are pretty broke, and so it sort of sounds like he bought this house and was renovating it all on his own to save money, and then just letting people crash there, and people would help him paint, or help him put up plaster or whatever, and do some light construction, and then he also had a room set up where people could, like, come and jam. He mm -hmm. had, um, he writes about, like, having a a four track which I don't know what that is but I'm assuming it's like a way to record music because throughout the book he'll be like oh John came over and was playing guitar but I think he actually just really wanted to hit him hit on my girlfriend Debbie and like <laughs> you know whatever like I wasn't intimidated by it we were just making music he was kind of a douche so I just figured like oh he's he might be who's stacking up stuff or like making oh. these weird footprints like maybe he's trying to scare all of us and then he's going to come over and like comfort debbie and be like oh don't right. worry about the ghosts you know what i mean right there's like some unresolved tension between yeah, yeah. that dude and ken for sure <laughs> right like the fact that he's still writing about it right <laughs> the three housemates unpiled the cat food pyramid and put away the rest of the groceries that had been disturbed no other disturbances happened for the next few days as the group continued painting, decorating, and working on the kitchen. 
The next morning, Ken once again came downstairs from his and Debbie's bedroom to make coffee and get his day started. As his foot reached the final stair down into the living room, he could hardly believe his eyes as he once again saw that the groceries they had just put away the day before had been pulled out of all of the cabinets. Jugs of lemonade, bread rolls, and dry cat food bags had been stacked into a four-foot-high column, arranged like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, again in the corner of the room on the floor. Hmm. The group decided to confront John about it. But when confronted, John swore that he had not been in the home that entire week. Slowly, Ken, Debbie, and Nick began to feel paranoid and like someone or something was watching them. Nick woke up one night in a cold sweat to see a dark shadow outside her window in the silhouette of a person. What? Her bed was on the second floor and inaccessible from the outside, meaning it was impossible for a human to just be innocently passing by and casting a shadow. It seemed as if the silhouette of a large person was floating outside her window, <gasps> staring in through the curtains. Ghost? She cowered in her bed, frozen, as the outline of this shadow person stared in unmovingly from just beyond the window's frosted glass. Slowly, the shadow person moved away. At the same time, noises like footsteps started across the ceiling. Thump, thump, thump. Nicola threw the covers over her head, shaking. The footsteps grew closer and closer until they were directly above her head, until suddenly they stopped. The next night, Debbie and Ken were sleeping in their bedroom when Debbie shook Ken awake. Ken, she whispered. Someone is in our room with us. <gasps> Groggily, Ken opened his eyes and swiveled his head from side to side. There, in the corner of the room, he could make out a dark shadow. The size and shape of the silhouette of a human man, but with no facial features. <gasps> Springing from the bed, Ken flipped on the light switch and... Nothing was there. Not taking any chances, Ken grabbed a baseball bat and walked throughout the entire house, checking doors and windows to make sure everything was locked. Satisfied that no one was in the home with them, all three housemates now went back to bed. A few weeks later, sometime in mid-December, tensions in the home were at an all-time high, with the inhabitants being kept awake by the sound of thumping footsteps and visions of darting shadows in their periphery. On one particular morning in December, Ken left to go on a drive around town to clear his head. While he was gone, Debbie and Nicola remained inside Meadow Cottage, chatting on the first floor around the roaring fireplace. Suddenly, the warm, inviting temperature inside the cottage dropped sharply. Debbie and Nick could suddenly see their breath forming frost in front of them as they spoke to each other. Shivering, Debbie moved to get up from her chair in front of the fire to grab a nearby blanket. But just as she did, a strong gust of wind blew through the house and put out the fire. What? But all of the doors and windows were shut and locked. The wind wasn't coming from outside. It seemed to have generated from within the house. 
The wind howled and swirled throughout the home so forcefully that it lifted the daily newspaper, which was still folded with a rubber band on the floor. The rubber band flew off of the paper and the pages unfolded, (gasps) rocketing feet into the air and eventually landing spread out at the feet of the two startled women. Kin returned from his drive to find the women in near tears, surrounded by torn and crumpled pages of the newspaper. At this point, everyone in the home wasn't just frightened, they were terrified, but they were still looking toward any natural explanation they could think of. Perhaps a draft had somehow made its way through the crack underneath the kitchen door? They tried to reassure each other that they weren't going crazy. They were probably just under a lot of stress trying to finish renovations on Ken's home. And indeed, the next few days passed without any more incident. And soon the trio began to laugh and joke about what they had perceived as a terrifying situation just days before. As life in Meadow Cottage returned to normal, Nicola expressed to Ken that she wanted to start writing again. She had left her job as an English teacher earlier in the year and was wondering if Ken, who was also a teacher, had any leads on where she could get her hands on a typewriter for cheap. Ken responded that Howarden High School, where he taught, had several BBC microcomputers available for loan. Natalia, do you know what a BBC microcomputer is? No, is that like a Blackberry or something like back in the day? Oh, worse. <laughs> even <laughs> even worse. So I didn't know what it was either. So I had to Google it and essentially a BBC microcomputer was one of the very first home computer models oh. available to the public. Oh, so okay. I'm yeah, this is like a blast from the past because we were not alive in the 80s. And this is even like pre-internet. So the internet But we were, according to this theory, like we were always alive, oh, but we were always dead. Right. We were just an idea existing in the universe <laughs> and have existed and will continue to exist for all of eternity. Very good. And point. don't exist at the same time. Right. But like if you ask a question, then you're dumb, not me. That made this up. Okay, you phrasing it like that also makes me angry about the theory then. Like, at first I was like, all right, whatever. But now I'm like, oh, this is just one of those things when you go to a party and, like, there's a guy in the corner that's, like, smoking a clove cigarette. And he, yeah, has, like, an ironic banjo at his feet. And he's like, yeah, man, I just got back from Burning Man where I, you know, existed. I created a a bonsai garden just for the week of burning man uh using my own tears and urine to nourish the soil and yeah man i just like did acid and learned that time is a flat circle but also i've always existed and so have you and that that pisses me off um anyway so changing gears i just sent you a link to a YouTube video posted by the Center for Computing History so you can get a feel for what this type of computer is and just watch like the first maybe two or three minutes and then describe what you're seeing to the audience. Okay, I just started playing this video called Tom Scott with the Acorn BPC, BBC Micro. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is like one of those really old timey computers that they always use in sci-fi movies. The keyboard is like literally a typewriter. It's like if a typewriter had a baby with a modern computer, that's what it looks like. Yeah, it just looks like one of those super 80s computers. Yeah, and I know we we have listeners that 
are were born in the 80s or were teenagers in the 80s even so if you guys are listening to this and you're just laughing to yourself about how mystified we are um please leave a comment on the photo dump because i would love <laughs> to know like firsthand experiences tell me these look so frustrating they mm-hmm. look like very not user friendly so this early model of personal computer did not have any of the capabilities that we have today on our computers for example there was no internet in the 1980s so this computer did not have internet it did not have the ability to download games or download um movies or download a new app right like Mm -hmm. since there was no internet in the 1980s and the computer did not have internet it also didn't have games it didn't have email it didn't really have any of the apps or programs that we take for granted so what do you do with it great question so the only thing that this old model bbc microcomputer could really do was type when people had to use typewriters you couldn't print like the concept of printing or editing was very different um you would have to like white out a line that you typed incorrectly you and you couldn't really like move paragraphs around it was just you had to like form formulate your thoughts and then start typing on the typewriter and if you made a mistake you'd have to white it out put it back into the typewriter adjust the typewriter and then go back over it and write Mm -hmm. correctly so Although to us, this idea of, of this computer that's only for typing seems kind of stupid, no offense. Um, it wasn't because you could finally rearrange sentences and correct spelling and right. um, like and use a printer to print stuff out. So oh, th- it was okay. it was like cool and a luxury. Right. So like Natalia said, the screen is completely black and the keyboard looks like a typewriter keyboard and it types these green letters onto the black screen. This typing ability was part of a microchip called Edward because Microsoft Word had not yet been invented and it's spelled Edward like the name Edward, but it's a play on words because it's W-O-R-D. So Edward. it's like kind of cheeky and cute. Yeah, that's like like that that paperclip guy that used to help you on yes, Microsoft Word. Clippy. Yeah, that Clippy was the shit. I did not know how to use Microsoft Word. I only know like I had to keep prompting Clip Clippy until he would ask me like, "Do you want to do this?" You know what You're I'm like, talking about? You're like, "Yes." Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to get you to save this as a, a JPEG for 5 minutes, but I didn't oh, know yeah, how. Oh, that's way too yeah. advanced. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember playing with that word art function where you could make the letters wavy. Yeah. Like, that was really cool to me. And, like, you could make the words pink. Right. Like, anytime I had to turn in a paper, I would always have the title of the paper, like, be a cool word art. Yeah. 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 So, um, also, this is going to be very foreign to our millennial and Gen Z uh, population that listen to this podcast. The other weird thing is that this computer did not have the ability to save anything. It didn't have any memory. So what you would have to do is you would insert a floppy disk Mm -hmm. and then you would have to save onto the floppy disk. And every time you wanted to save your work, you would like rewrite over your previously saved file. I actually remember that from being like, you know, I was born in 91. So we actually used floppy disks like at first. Right. Yeah, Yeah. I do remember in elementary school, we did a project in the computer lab that was like, we had to talk about what humans have that animals don't have. And so every group had to like come up with something. And we came up, uh, my group was presenting on the ability to have abstract thought. 
And then we had to put, like, type stuff out onto the floppy disk and then present it later. I remember that. That is remarkable that you remember that at all. Like, I cannot... I only remember, like, extremely emotional things that happened um, in school when I was younger. I don't ever remember, like, specific studies we have yeah that's why i'm dumb that's why i think i'm dumb and people are like you're not dumb you're really smart you then why then why can't (laughs) i like how come i went to school and i learned absolutely nothing okay but here's the thing explain that i think you and i have different problems you're you only remember like the stuff that brought a strong emotion to you i don't remember anything involved with the emotions at all so I think it's just like you and I have different trauma. So you blocked out like you blocked out like like anything that was linear, academic. like academic. And then I blocked out anything that was emotional. And we both oh. need to go to therapy to uncover yeah. these lost memories and figure out why. <laughs> this computer to like a modern computer user seems like super shitty, and like annoying. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to save everything to a floppy disk. Um, But actually, for the time, like we said, this was like a very fascinating and convenient thing to have. And the only reason why um, Ken had access to it is because there was a program at the high school he taught economics at where he could check out one of these personal computers, quote unquote, because they're like actually giant and heavy and he could take them home. And so it was a novelty. He could like type up lesson plans. His friend Nicola, who had quit her job teaching abroad and had come back like super fucking broke and is couch surfing. Mm -hmm. She um, was was like trying to write plays and cabarets and like um, beatnik stuff. And so she was like, hey, I'm I don't have any money. I don't want to go buy a typewriter. I just came back from abroad where I like didn't have any possessions because I was traveling Um, is can I borrow this computer from you? And he's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. of course, I'll check one out and, you know, we'll keep it for a couple months. Then I'll check it back in or a couple weeks. And so he would do this on a pattern. He would check out one of these computers, have it for a couple days or a couple weeks or a month and then have to return it. And then he would bring back another computer. So one Sunday evening, Ken and Debbie were bored. And so they decided to go visit a friend, a man named Dave, in a neighboring town. They asked Nicola if she wanted to come with them because she had been glued to this computer ever since ever since Ken had checked it out from the high school. So peeling herself away from the computer, Nicola left it powered on with Edward up on the screen and decided to join her roommates on their trip to Dave's house. The group spent about three hours at Dave's drinking tea and chatting, both very English activities, and when dusk fell, they all piled back into Ken's Volkswagen and made their way back to Meadow Cottage. And this is the point at which the real trouble all began. Part 2. Messages from Across the Plains As Nicola and Debbie were getting ready for bed that evening, Ken asked Nick if he could check out some of what she had written. And Nicola agreed. She said, no problem. Go ahead and and load up my floppy disk and open up the one file I have saved on there and, and give it a read. So settling down in front of the computer, Ken pulled up the index of files saved to the floppy disk. And rather than just finding one file, he actually found two. So thinking that the most recently saved was probably the most updated version of whatever Nicola had been working on, he opens the file, which is named KDN. 
And Natalia, I'd like you to read what was written on the file to our audience. How do I read this? Okay, whatever. I'll read this. God. Okay, here's why I'm reacting this way. Because it's it's written in code or something. Like, like the way... Okay, I'm just going to read this and then I'll explain other things about it. It says, Ken D. Ebnick. True are the nightmares of a person that fears. Safe are the bodies of the silent world. Turn, pretty flower, turn towards the sun. For you shall grow and sow. But the flower reaches too high and withers in the burning light. Get out your bricks. Pussycat, pussycat went to London to seek fame and fortune. Faith must not be lost, for this shall be your redeemer. But the reason it was like hard for me to read is because a lot of these words, some of them are capitalized and some of them are not. And some of them are written in that like SpongeBob sarcastic way where it's like yeah. every other thing is capitalized and then not. And then some of the words are split. So it'll be like true A, R, E the nightmares of a person that fears and it's it's going to take too long for me to tell you it's written in code though it's going to take me like too long to tell you um what's all like capitalized and what's not but for example it says um pussycat pussycat and it's like p s c p u s s c w like like are all capitalized. I don't know. I'm sure Allie's going to tell me what the code means because I'm sure someone else has figured it out, but it's written in code. Look right, at this I'm, thing on um, the Instagram at Let's Get Haunted. I have the benefit of already like knowing where the story goes, so it looks less confusing to me. But first of all, yeah, it looks like somebody maybe that like doesn't quite know how to use a computer is typing it oh. or something. Like there's weird spaces where there shouldn't be. It's kind of written in this like weird, cryptic, old timey language almost. Yeah. Anyway, it's kind of creepy too. It's very creepy, but it reminds me um, of like, okay, you know that that Reddit subreddit that's like r slash like schizophrenic writings or whatever it's called? No, I don't know what that is. I can't find it, but I just remember one time someone posted on Reddit, there was like a creepy message like this and someone was like oh this looks like it belongs in r slash like schizophrenic vehicles or something it was like someone posted a picture of a car that had like all of this writing all over it like someone had written across it and they were like hey like how weird is this and then someone else was like actually it's not that weird it's like a very common thing that happens when people are like suffering from some sort of like uh psychotic break or paranoia or whatever and there's a whole subreddit dedicated to these cars and i can't remember what the name of it was called but it's something it's something like that. I don't know. He soon realizes, because it's kind of weird. He's reading it. He's like, this is sort of creepy. Right. Um, and he realizes that the first line of the poem, it's kind of hard to tell at first because of all the weird spaces and capitals. But the first line of the poem has all three names of the people that live in the house. And then he realizes that the name of the save file, which is KDN, are the initials of the first names of everyone that lives in the house. So he's like, this is kind of uh. creepy. Like, it's a, it's a poem about, like, nightmares and death and a pussycat and people are lost and you need to, like, repent and be redeemed. And it, it's almost written like it's two, Ken, mm-hmm. Deb, and Nick, because that's the first line. So he's just really confused and kind of weirded out. And he calls down Nicola and he's like, hey, is this weird poem, like, what you've been spending weeks 
writing because like this is kind of shitty and kind of creepy and it's really short so like is this what you've been up to <laughs> and and she's like what are you talking about because remember she's been like glued to this computer yeah. the whole time that she's been living with them and she's like what the fuck no i've never seen that file before ever in my life like and again remember there's no internet you can only save a finite amount of things to these floppy disks you'd have mm -hmm. to have the floppy disk and have Edward loaded up on this stupid computer in order mm -hmm. to even make this file. And so she's like, no, what the fuck are you talking about? I swear, I never wrote that. That's fucking creepy. Like, that is not my style. That's not me. And what's more, she swears that that file was not on her floppy disk when they had all left just a few hours earlier to go to their friend Dave's house for tea and like a chat. So... A sinking feeling formed in the pit of Kin's stomach. Later, he would write of the experience, quote, I couldn't help it. The most disturbing and cliche-ridden feeling came over me. A shiver ran down my spine that threatened to shake my feet. The following day, Kin returned the microcomputer to his school's lab and carried the floppy disk into the classroom. His plan was to use the printers at the school to print off the poem to examine it better. He printed the poem and stared at it, but he still could not make sense of the secret message that seemed to be hidden within or how it had appeared at all on the diskette. As the school year dragged on, Ken was too busy to continue doing construction on the cottage, and he spent most of his time in his classroom teaching, grading papers, and lesson planning. He didn't exactly forget about the odd poem. He more so just didn't have the time to think about it with all of the work that he was doing at school. Soon, before he knew it, Christmas was just around the corner and the excitement of holiday festivities overtook any sense of unease that had been brewing in Meadow Cottage. Nicola was set to visit family over the holidays and had packed up her belongings the night before she was set to leave. In the morning, as Ken and Debbie were set to see Nick off, they all walked downstairs to see that, once again, the groceries had been seemingly stacked into pyramids and columns again in the night. Four <sighs> full bottles of beer had been ripped from their plastic packaging and were now stacked, one on top of the other, in a wobbly tower in the corner of the living room. What does it mean? I'm going crazy. Next to this tower, there were four cat food cans that had been removed from the pantry and stacked in a parallel tower next to the bottles. The plastic packaging from the beer that the beer had been encased in lay shredded into long, dark strings of plastic across the floor that appeared to have been set on fire at the ends and then melted into the floorboards. Nicola hurriedly left the house, leaving Debbie and Ken alone there for the holidays. The next day, Ken awoke to find squiggles of chalk across the downstairs floors and walls. For the last week of December and throughout all of January, Debbie and Ken continued to hear the thumping of heavy footsteps on the roof of the house and the unsettling feeling that some invisible entity was watching them from the shadows at night. Mm. By February, Nicola had returned from visiting her family and asked Ken if he could check out one of the microcomputers from school again for her to continue writing with. Ken agreed and brought home a different computer than the one that he had borrowed last time. 
The computer had the Edward microchip installed, but this one also had a few computer games loaded up onto it. Nicola continued writing stories on it, and Ken and the musician John began using the computer to compose music. One unassuming Sunday, Debbie, Ken, and Nicola once again piled into Ken's Volkswagen and set out on a relaxing drive around town. Upon returning, the computer, which had been left on but without the word processor pulled up, had a new message typed onto the screen. This one had been saved to the floppy disk under the file name R-E-A-T-E. Reate. Natalia, can you please read this message to our audience? This is so weird. Okay, this one says, and everything is like misspelled. It says, I write on behal the uh, the uh, main. I write on behal the of man ye. And write is spelled W-R-Y-T-E. Yeah, just read it as written because it's important. I mean, it's, it's like I write on behalf of the man, but it's spelled like I write on behalf the of man. What strange words thou speak, although I must confess that I hath also been ill-schooled. Sometimes methinks alterations are somewhat barful, for they break man ye asleeps in my bed mine bed thou art goodly man who hath fanciful woman who dwell in mine home i hath no want to affray for only scythe mine hath whited antic has ripped a twain mean mine bound hath i been wrethed a night <laughs> i hath seen many alterations lastly charge house in thou home Tis a fitting place with lights which devil maketh, and costly things that on Lee, my friend Edmund Gray, can afford, or the king himself. Twas a great crime to hath bribed mine house. L.W. Yeah, this is written in like old English where um, some letters are mean other things, so it's like very difficult to read. I don't know. But it's also like fake old English, like. It's not, it doesn't follow all of the rules of like, oh, an F is an S. It's like sometimes an S is an S. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it's super weird. Now, um, I just want you to imagine, imagine that you leave your laptop uh, in a room and you live by yourself and you leave and you come back and all of a sudden Microsoft Word is pulled up and that is written on it. What would you do? Um get rid of the computer for <laughs> sure throw it. dude okay this is not related but sort of is related this is like way back in the day when um not snap not what was the name of it it was in high school the thing the first thing that people used to use to video chat skype skype this oh, is yeah, when skype. skype first came out so you guys this is before facetime this is before we ha we didn't have video phone calls at all so you had to use this thing called skype.com where you made an account and it was like you could video chat with somebody else. My friend's, um, my boyfriend's friend at the time was Skyping with his girlfriend who was studying abroad. And they were like, getting kind of frisky. And she took off her shirt. And um, then all of a sudden in their private Skype chat, someone else who wasn't her boyfriend start typed out and was like, nice tits. How scary is that? No. 
So someone You guys was... can't see me, but I just, my jaw hit the ground. That is like a nightmare. Chills, right? Yes. That's, how scary is that? Because it could be anything. It could be like they're spying through the camera. It could be like they're in your house. Oh my God, I hate that. Trying to scare you. Just so fucking scary. And that's oh. what, for me, this gives. Because it's like, whatever this is... It, there's no internet, so it had to physically type on the computer. Yes. For this to get onto the floppy disk. So it just freaks me out because that's like just thinking that there's something in your house there with you when you're not knowing about oh it, my you God. know? And it's oh my also God. like obsessed with a cat or something. That actually, that's going to be in, in, in a nightmare of mine tonight. That is like <laughs> honestly one of my worst fears. I have, um, because now every laptop has a webcam built into it pretty much and so i have one of those things where like you can slide it open and shut and i always have it slid shut because i'm always no i never take my phone into the bathroom with me either because i'm like i don't know i don't know why someone would want to see me like taking a shit but (laughs) like i just you know privacy because i think they i think they are always spying especially on us because we talk about things that are adjacent to things the government doesn't like you to talk about because you might actually be insane and like try to storm the capital or something right you know? so right. i do think like people are listening into our shit all the time and i Probably. wouldn't be surprised if they were um recording looking at our uh through our cameras and stuff too so it's not yeah. worth it no i mean you literally went on the dark web trying to find a snuff film for one of the episodes (laughs) back to this weird fucking message as you pointed out it appears to be written in old english and because ken is apparently a learned man who is a teacher he can kind of read some of it and and tries to like write out to see if he can like translate it into something that makes any sense at all because he's really mystified. So the mm-hmm. first thing he's trying to figure out is the file name is Reate. And he's like, what does that, what could that even mean? Like, why would that be saved like that? And he realizes it's because on this like old fucking cryptic computer, like generation two of what a computer is, when you wanted to pull up Edward, certain keys meant certain things. So if you were to hit C, it stood, it, it stood for create and you could open up a new document. So he thinks that whoever created this file hit C, pulled up a new document and then was like, oh, the rest of create is re-eight. So he's like, I don't think this person like really understands how a computer works. And then translating this fucking weird message into modern English, this is what he comes up with. I write on behalf of many. What strange words you speak. Although I must confess that I too have been badly educated. Sometimes it seems changes are somewhat obstructive. For many a time they disturb me sleeping in my bed. You are a worthy man who has a fanciful woman, and you live in my house. I have no wish to alarm you, for it is only since the half-witted fool ripped apart my confines have I been tormented at nights. I have seen many changes. Lastly, the schoolhouse and your home. It is a fitting place with lights which the devil makes and costly things which only my friend Edmund Gray can afford, or the king himself. It was a great crime to have stolen my house from me. L.W. Does Ken live in a house that's like 
a thousand years old? Yes. So this cottage was originally built in the 18th century. But prior to that house being built, there was a, an even older house on the property. Oh, okay. So this message, once he realizes, once he like writes out what the modern English translation probably is, he kind of freaks the fuck out because keep in mind, they've been having weird six-toed footprints show up. Mm -hmm. Somebody's been stacking groceries and cat food in bottles in pyramids and columns along the first floor. Somebody recently burned some plastic into the floorboards. Mm -hmm. There's been this weird shadow that people have seen either outside their window or in the corner of the room. But then you turn on the lights and it's no longer there. Nicola, who's staying on the second floor, is like, I swear to God, there's just a dude floating outside my window some mm -hmm. nights. Then they're all hearing like weird, heavy footsteps either in the space between the ceiling and the roof where there should be insulation or on the roof itself. And there was also this weird thing where sometimes there would be cold spots in the house out of nowhere. You could see your breath while talking. A gust of wind is being generated from somewhere inside the house, which makes no sense. The fire is getting put out. Like it's weird. It's really mm -hmm. weird and freaky. And now there are these weird messages showing up on the computer and this most recent message, like the guys, whoever's writing this, whether it's just like a dude living in your wall or it's like somebody playing a prank on you, or it's something paranormal. Regardless of what the explanation is, this is no longer interesting. This is scary. This person now is like, you live in my house. You're fucking up my house. Get out of my house, essentially, right? Yeah, I don't know. This. <sighs> so after reading the message aloud, Ken finds himself entranced by the words. In his book, The Vertical Plane, he writes the following of the experience, quote, after the initial shock, I became absorbed by it. We all were. The questions flew faster than storm-driven hailstones and vanished just as quickly. A ghost? A spirit? A joke? A poltergeist? No clear answers, no answers of any kind. I scanned the disk index for other new entries that may have been saved. I found two more, but both were blank. When the fuss had subsided, we looked at the content of the message from LW. It baffled by at least three words. They were rethed, charge house, and bribed. At face value, we were in someone's house, someone who had felt the effects of the changes we were making to the house. I was a, quote, goodly man, but I had committed a great crime against this person. This person also said I had lights which the devil maketh. This prompted another round of discussion on ghosts and theories about them, which it was clear none of us had any grasp on. There was a feeling that we should try and link the disturbances such as the stacking and the appearance of the chalk marks to this message. Maybe we could even tie in the poem. And that didn't take long for us to arrive at the idea that it was all some hoax. Look at the facts. The odds were against us. It had to be a hoax. The next day at work, Kin printed out this new message, and along with the older poem he had already printed, he took the writings to the high school English teacher, a man named Peter. Peter was an elder in the community who had been teaching at the school for decades. Examining the poem and subsequent letter, he determined that the messages were definitely written in a dialect of Old English characteristic to either the 1500s or the 1600s. Intrigued, he asked Ken where he had gotten the writings from. 
Apprehensively at first, Ken soon told Peter everything. The shadow figure in the home, the disembodied footsteps on the roof, the six-toed footprints across his wall that disappeared at the ceiling, the strange icy air and gusts of wind appearing from nowhere, the chalk squiggles across the floor and walls appearing in the night, and now this, the strange messages, seemingly written in old English, appearing on the microcomputer he and his house guest had been using at home. Are you pulling my leg? Peter asked Ken. Is this some sort of joke? But Peter could tell, based on the fear in Ken's eyes, that this was no joke. This was real. Someone or something was haunting Meadow Cottage from the past. Whether it was a prank pulled by an intruder in the night, or a poltergeist or spirit lurking in the ancient home's foundation remained to be seen. But something strange was certainly afoot. And next week, we will listen to the rest of the story in part two of what would come to be known as the Doddleston Messages. Natalia, what do you think so far? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited that this is in two parts. Good for you. It's about time because I, I feel know like I've your, never done it before. Your episodes are really long and I know everyone's like, well, we love episodes that are long. Yeah, obviously, but it's a lot of work for us to edit that and like yeah. record that and research that. It should at least count for two episodes. So um, I applaud you on breaking this up. It's also a fascinating story. I think that this might be one of my favorite stories and I like Ooh. the way that you've um, you've already kind of foreshadowed with the block theory and so it's like I'm already thinking how is this all gonna connect like is this the same dude and he's just like haunting over and over again and right. like writing all these like messages from different times but I just like I'm, I don't understand where the cat plays into it like there's something to do with like the cat food and the cat went to London <laughs> to seek fame and fortune like what is that about okay I'm sorry I'm gonna go back to that original one um and read it again because True are the nightmares of a person that fears. Safe are the bodies of the silent world. Turn, pretty flower, turn towards the sun, for you shall grow and sow. But the flower reaches too high and withers the burning light. Get out your bricks. Pussycat, pussycat went to London to seek fame and fortune. Faith must not be lost, for this shall be your redeemer. Like, what is that? What is that? To me, the thing that makes it so scary, and tell me if you agree or not, is not the fact that it's written in gibberish. Like, that's sort mm -hmm. of scary, but whenever someone is writing in a disjointed way and it has to do with religion, for yeah. some reason that scares the shit out of me. Like, he's making references to the devil, like, you're the, you have technology from the devil, or you are right. the devil, or the devil's involved in some, like, he says, like, you have yeah. lights from the devil, like, what the fuck right. does that mean? Like, that's what makes it scary to me, is that there's, like, it's like a weird religious rambling, rather than just someone being, like, oh, yeah, there's a cat that went to London and then I went to school. Like, okay, mm -hmm. that's weird. And like, I have no clue what you're talking about, but that's not scary to me. Yeah. It starts to get scary when you're like, you're in my home. You have lights from the devil. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Let's go back to talking about the cat. That was at least something that like could be silly. I was thinking about the lights from the devil. Like, um, so, you know, if you're someone from whatever, the 15th century or whatever this house is, or maybe you would think electricity was like the devil's work. I don't know. But um, I also, it could be read the other way. Like, 
electricity is literally the devil's work you know like like we've always just thought of electricity as being this modern convenience but what if that is why our society is damned is because we're like we're like putting fairy lights on and twinklies and stuff everywhere not knowing that we're supporting the devil's business not knowing that 5g is coursing through our veins (laughs) every time we use our cell phone wow i mean that's just a fact though right (laughs) (laughs) like you said i've kind of foreshadowed with what i think is being tied in here with like someone from the past now whether this is the ghost of someone from the past or someone literally in the past that's also living in that house the same time that these people are living in it in the present Mm -hmm. who is to say i don't know we don't know yet at this point um and maybe we'll never know but I do think you're right that he must be talking about this computer to this person from the past, like must be devil magic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that must be how he's perceiving this. Computer. It could be like that, um, that movie with uh, spoiler alert. Don't remember the name of this movie. So I don't know how I'm supposed to warn you about this, but there's this movie. I think it's Nicole Kidman. And she, like, moves into this house, but it's, like, super haunted. And she's, like, like the windows are randomly opening and lights are flickering on and, like, crazy shit's happening. And then she goes into her bedroom and sees, like, an old woman wearing, like, a dress and acting weird. And it's really scary. I can't remember what it's called. But it I ends up. I've ever seen it. Spoiler alert. It ends up that she's not being haunted in the house. She's a ghost that lives in the house with her kids. Oh my God, I just people got the chills. moved in and they're doing like seances and stuff, trying to connect with them. And that's why she like sees this old woman in this dress acting creepy because there's like an old medium trying to like get, like figure her out. And it's like this scary moment where she realizes she's a ghost and she goes out to the graveyard and it's like the violence are like, er, 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 er. <laughs> And she, there's like, it's like a haunted graveyard and she never went to the graveyard since they moved into the house because she was like, was too scared. And she goes to the fucking graveyard and she sees that it's her name and her two kids. They're buried there. Yeah, I'm going to like cry because it's too scary. Oh Um, my God. Is it that? Is it like this person thinks that they're being haunted by the people that live in that house, but like really they're all haunting each other? Oh my God. That is so scary. I want to watch that movie so bad. Yeah. Maybe honestly, dude, now I'm like, maybe Ken is the ghost and he's like, oh, I have this computer that I brought from school, but like really he's dead and the new inhabitant is actually from the past. I don't know. Look, anything is possible with block theory. The others. Okay. I'm going to watch that later. It's Um, called The Others and it's fucking scary. Well, Natalia... I know it's late where you are. We're going to pick up with part two next week. What are your final thoughts on what you've heard so far? I can't wait to see what happens. Um, I am very tired, but I'm like, man, I'm like, I just want to know what happens. I also don't, I just don't like this. It's scary. Um, So yeah, it's also just really creepy to imagine a shadow person just standing in your room and like turning over and your your partner saying to you there's someone here in the room with us first of all never if there's someone in the room with me that is the worst reaction you could have (laughs) to fucking whisper in my ear there's someone in the room with us no like immediately scream or like do a normal fucking reaction this is not like a hollywood movie like do not whisper shit in my ear that's scary to me you know right um 
I would I agree. rather you just start like shaking me and be like, I'm freaking the fuck out right now. <laughs> get get so, up. We're being attacked by demons. Yeah. That's better. Yeah, that is um, better. Love this story, though. Really looking forward to next week. And uh, yeah, have a great time at the Barbie movie tonight. I can't wait to, to see it. Yes, I'm going to run straight out of here to the theater. But do you want to do our sign off? Sure. Um, BRB, going to go to London to seek fame and fortune. But my faith must not be lost because that shall be my redeemer. Bye. Bye. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.